At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and you are listening to the All Ball Podcast. All basketball, all the time. We can get into summer recruiting in the summer circuit. We can get into the NBA as free agency has died down. I continue to point out that these small market teams are going to be ticked, right? When Michael Jordan, it's so funny, like all these players who say Durant said it, LeBron said it, they want to be owners. Michael Jordan actually is an owner, and he's ticked about how some of this free agency stuff went down. I wait, Kemba agreed to a deal right after the deadline? How did that happen if you're not supposed to talk to each other? You know? And he's a guy that didn't want to pay Kemba the Supermax because he didn't think it was worth it. Here's the problem with owning a team in a small market. If you, you, you draft the right guy, you nurture his growth, he plays for you. You have to give him a max or a super max contract. If you do that, you are not going to make money. One, and like, unless you put a team around him. And you put a team around him, really good one, you're going to go into luxury tax. You go into luxury tax, or even if you're paying top end of the salary scale before luxury tax, you're not making money on a daily basis. 
You're just not. Now, you can tell me, well, Doug, these owners make money in the value of the franchise. That's great. But you know when you reap the benefits and the value of the franchise? When you sell the franchise. And most people don't buy an NBA franchise thinking, man, I can't wait till I sell this thing. That's not the idea. You want to see it through. So you can't, you don't have the non-basketball generated income the way that the Lakers do or the Knicks do or the Nets may or the Rockets may be in a bigger market and bigger local TV stuff and, and be able to withstand or just you have to have ridiculously deep pockets in order to go into luxury tax and pay these salaries. So you're damned if you're doing it, damned if you don't. You either, you either overpay for guys and lose money hoping to gamble and win a championship one year. Or you try to maintain your books, grow it organically, knowing that you're going to make some money, but you're not going to win championships. It's a really hard thing. I don't know how to fix it. But I do know that eventually this is, this is one of the reasons that college athletics t- takes time to change. Because you have half of the programs aren't making money on their college sports teams. And uh, they have to be more self-sufficient than they ever used to be. And so while Alabama and Texas and Ohio State and LSU, they're killing it in football, lots of other programs like UConn are not. When you have one league in the NBA where it's, it's, there's, a, there's almost bipolar in terms of the revenues, the values, you have the same thing in college sports. Let me go back to college sports as well. I know many of you are brought up under the belief that somehow the NCAA and college athletics are the bad guys because they make some money on athletes, their name and image and likeness. The whole thing is bullshit. You've been fed bullshit by people in the media. You have. If you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, I'll give you Zion Williamson. Okay? Now, Zion Williamson just think to deal with Jordan Brand for what's supposedly more than $10 million a year for five years. Let's say it's $50 million. Last year, Zion Williamson left high school. He could have gone straight to the G League. And even as a YouTube sensation, maybe he signs for a million dollars with Nike or Under Armour or Adidas. So maybe he drives it up to two, $2 million or so. If you think for one second that playing half a season, he really played half a year, half a year at Duke didn't grow his brand exponentially to where he just signed the biggest deal a a one-and-done guy has ever signed, you're either an idiot or you just are so rife with anger and hatred of any sort of leadership that you can't see the forest because you're too close to the trees. Yes, Duke benefited some financially from Zion Williamson, some, not a lot. Their games were going to be on TV. Their arena was going to be packed. They were going to get the NCAA tournament. Their radio and TV rights were going to be the same, whether he came or he didn't come. But Zion Williamson, playing half a year at Duke, benefited to the tune of, what, $40, $45 million, in addition to where he moved up in the draft board. And he's a household name. Not because he's Zion Williamson, because he's Zion Williamson who played at Duke. All right, enough of destroying the whole argument that college sports don't bring value to players. Only players bring value to college sports. I I love Jay Billis. He came on the pod last year. You should download that one. Maybe we'll get him on again this year uh, just to talk about the freak athlete that is 
is Zion. But I actually think Zion, the whole Zion thing helps kind of make the argument. Right? He improved as a player, improved as a person, improved his draft stock, and his value uh, on Madison Avenue went up exponentially because he linked into Duke's brand. Duke's brand is more is more powerful than anything, even even Kentucky's brand in college basketball. It helped him, and I have the hard numbers to show you how. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Now let's get to our interview of the week. Brian Baroni is the new head coach at SIU Edwardsville, Division One program that Marty Simmons had as a 20-win program going back, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, he, Brian's lived in kind of an incredible life. Son of Tony Baroni, the now late great coach of places uh, like Creighton, like like Creighton, like Texas A&M, just kind of a beloved figure in the basketball world because he was colorful, he had a great name, and he was hilarious. And he was a good ball, ball coach. Brian and I were, I wouldn't say rivals, contemporaries at some level, played against him when he was at A&M, and then he ended up transferring to Marquette, where, which was one of the schools that I, I, I was down to before I chose Oklahoma State after transferring from Notre Dame. There's a lot of ties that bind. His father passed away. Not long ago, about a month ago, 
And so this is his first interview in discussing his life and his life with his dad. I hope you enjoy it. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Let's start at the beginning, okay? Your dad's a longtime coach. Where, where were you actually born? Where was he coaching when you were born? I was born in Chicago, Illinois. I was there till about six months old, and then he went down to Bradley, and that's where I kind of that's where I grew up or first remember growing up. Obviously, what do you remember about it? I just remember, um, you know, I, I just remember being around the gym a lot, and I also remember being um, around a lot of family uh, cousins, aunts, and uncles from my mom's side, especially uh, would come visit a lot from Chicago, uh, and that was really probably my my upbringing for the most part and uh, in those first seven, eight years of my life. Your, your brother's older than you. How much older than you? Uh, Tony's six years older. So he um, he and I are, yeah, are, are close, but he's always been uh, a mentor uh, to me uh, because of that age difference for sure. Yeah, but was he always a mentor? Like my brother is four years older than me, <laughs> and I mean, there were times when he was kind of a dick. I mean, like, you know... <laughs> Just and maybe not. It wasn't. Yeah, it was. He kind of was. Like he, his favorite story is um, our buddy or his his buddy's house. They, like we never had a pool. My, I don't know. My dad's a New Yorker, and he was definitely afraid of us having a pool. And uh-huh. so we had to always go over to somebody else's house, which is to me is actually counter to what you should do as a parent. Like my whole thing, we don't have a pool in this house, and I'm just like my last summer without a pool, and. Uh, because if you want, like, you want to watch your, be there, watch your own kids swim. On the other hand, there is the liability that's assumed when somebody else swims your house. So we're yeah. at a friend's pool and, um, he pants me, throws my shorts up on the roof. And then like a bunch of other of his friends come over and they're like inside the house and I'm like swimming in the pool naked. And I have to go get my, find a way to get my shorts. You know, I'm like, I don't know, 10 years old or something swimming in the pool. He used to uh, lock me out of the house because we were, my mom, my dad was an assistant at Long Beach State and my mom got a job there as like a secretary. And so we were like latchkey kids and we get home and sometimes just to be a jerk, he'd tell me to go outside and get something. And then he'd lock me out. And then the, the, his favorite move was, Hey, meet us at the school. We're going to play some basketball. We need another guy. And then no one would show up and I'd be sitting there. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> yeah. Which would actually help me work on my game. I'd play imaginary games. So like I said, and I love my brother, but he wasn't always a mentor. Was he always a mentor? He was, he was always a mentor with things like that because he taught me, he taught me how to be like that a little bit. So yeah, I guess, I guess I, the politically correct way of, being positive about him is yeah he did that kind of stuff to me too there was one time i i did open hand slap him for uh you know uh my mom and dad were on the road i think they're over in uh, korea actually it was seth greenberg doing one of those um trips those foreign tours and my cousin was watching me and he was trying to be my dad for lack of a better term and i was younger and i hit him in his coke you know those coke rim glasses or bottle glasses that he had growing up and and he got me, and uh, he let me know that he was six years older than. So yeah, we had some incidents like that as well. <laughs> uh, okay, so from Bradley, where did he go? He went from uh, Bradley to Creighton. So he's at Creighton for um, uh, seven, eight years, I think. Okay, so yeah, do so you like I, I, like now? I look back; they were both in the valley, weren't they? 
Uh, yeah, he won't. He was in a. Um, you know, from what I remember, he was one of the first kind of associate head coaches uh, at Bradley. It was a title that you know wasn't quite as common. Um, and he went from Bradley to Creighton, and he was there. Uh, Dick Versace was there uh, at Bradley. He went over to Creighton, and then um, and then Dick Versace left to I think the Pacers, and then that's when Stan Albeck came in. And my dad was um, building Creighton at the time for about seven or I think seven years, seven or eight years. Uh, Dick Versace had amazing hair. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he did. It was uh, white man's afro pictures. He did. He did. It was uh, had a little frizz to it. Had a little uh, had a little texture. Had you know, I, I've seen it. I've seen a lot of pictures these last couple of weeks, and he he had it going on. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think that was what's called a permanent, right? Like like a perm he permed up. Yeah, it had to be. It yeah, because Coach permanent. Sutton, Coach Sutton had a perm going. Yeah, they they uh, you know they had to spend some time in the, in the salon, and you know my dad had a feathery his feathery locks going on too. There was a lot of there was a lot of style. There was actually there was a lot of style back in the in the valley. You know there was a, there was some some showmanship back there in, in in those days. Yeah, my my dad when he was at UW Milwaukee had some of those same like sports coats, whatever. Like they all kind of had a little flamboyance going. Late, my dad was like we're talking late seventies. In the early eighties, right? They all they they all wanted those like uh, plaid sports coats or whatever. Uh, yep. Problem was that my dad yep. still wore those plaid sports coats into the nineties, uh, and it didn't <laughs> didn't translate as much. What do you What do you remember about Omaha? Uh, I remember a lot about Omaha. I, re- I really do. I had some uh, you know really close friends because I was there seventh uh, second through seventh grade, um, and I really remember um, from a basketball perspective uh, the change. Um, you know, I, I, I talk about, you know, I got into coaching because of that. Creighton was my good golf shot. You know, that one swing that bad golfers have that are like, you know what, I'm going to try this again because I just hit the ball right down the middle of the fairway. And Creighton was that that team at Creighton my, that my dad built was something that, I mean, it was uh, it was more than basketball. It, it was one of the it – was, it was a great memory. And I just remember the Gallagher, the Harstad, Porter Moser was on that team, Todd Eisner, Dwan Cole. I mean, it was Latrell Wright. So all those guys were just uh, – Wait, wait, don't gloss over the names. Go, go through it. So Harstad, <laughs> Harstad used to play – used to hang out at Oklahoma State in the offseason when he was playing professionally overseas. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's down in Oklahoma City now. He was about a six five, six six. Didn't know how well he could dribble, pass, or shoot. But uh, I want to say he was the all time leading scorer up until Corver uh, at Creighton. I'm pretty sure. I mean, just a meanest, meanest dude, meanest dude I remember growing up, and just got it done. And then there was Gallagher, the six ten guy from Rockford, uh, you know, he got some, you know, some, a couple stints in the league, some 10 days and things like that was, they were the dynamic duo, you know, the, um, even though I never understood, they were both dressed as Batman in all the promos. So I didn't know the dynamic duo. Well, nobody wants to, nobody but, wants to be Robin, right? Like <laughs> no one Rob, Robin's Robin. like, Robin's like, eh, he might be gay. We don't, not that there's anything wrong with that, right? He's, you know, he's, he's the little brother. Nobody wants to be Robin, even if there is a Robin. Um, yeah, I, I think both, that's that's both. kind of the thing. And remember, this is back in the this is back in the late '80s, early '90s when you know mas- masculinity was the thing. So they were both they both had their 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 capes on and the and the and the back in the bat hats. Yeah, <laughs> Loveland, Colorado. Hats. Bob Harstad's from Loveland, Colorado. Loveland, yeah. Yes, He's he scored. Uh, he, he scored 
2,110 points and grabbed 1,126 rebounds. Just got he was three-time All-Valley, all and he was Valley Player of the Year in 1990, and uh, he was uh, Tournament Player of the Year in 91. What a stud. And he was a beast. He was a beast. He was playing. Him and a guy by the name of Dick Fick was my dad's assistant. They found him in Wait, Lovell, his name was Colorado. what? Wait, his name was what? Dick Fick. Dick Wait, Fick how do you spell his last name? F-I-C-K. We had Tony Baroni and Dick Fick on the same staff. <laughs> That's <laughs> unbelievable. That's amazing. That's oh, like yeah. name well, Hall of Fame. Personality. Yeah. <laughs> he was Dick Fick and, and him, and they found him. Uh, Harstad had a mohawk playing soccer. Um, and out out in Colorado, and uh, he was playing in some of these camps on the back, on the black uh, blacktop. And uh, as the story goes, they found him out there, kind of just playing extremely hard, and uh, and uh, and they went with him, and that's when he ended up. He had a heck of a career. He's an unbelievable yeah. career. That that is okay. So, um, what was your dad like as a coach? What, what do you remember? Because you know your your second grade through seventh grade. And uh-huh. you're a super high basketball IQ guy, and so you're you're perspe- perceptive enough to know what he was like. Like, what was he like? He was a ball of energy and passionate. I mean, he really was. I mean, they had um, they had things growing up where I, I just remember going going to the practices, and I'll tell you right now, if I was dribbling and the whistle blew. Oh God! And he was making his if he was making his point as he would like to say through the words that he decided to choose from his dictionary, and I dropped the ball or I was in the middle of a shot, I was diving for that ball before it hit the ground because I was not letting it dribble. He was an intense, tense person, um, you know, very loving and you know he was always around me. But like the reality of it was, he he was a ball of fire and and um, you know he was five nine and. And can control a lot of <laughs> a lot of grown grown men in in arena. So he was very intense. I, I do remember that and passionate. I was doing a I did a coaching clinic today in Oklahoma, and I told this story that um, I was sitting around and I had an Arizona guy and a Duke guy with me, and we were talking about Lute Olson, Eddie Sutton, and Mike Shishovsky. And so I just so so one of them asked me like, did Eddie Sutton ever draw a play up? And I was like, not one time. Not one time. And I was like, what about Lute Olsen? He's like, not one time. He's like, what about Mike Shishev? He's like, nope, not even a little bit. Like, nev- literally never. Like, the whole – and it, I'm, not, I'm not in any way trying to diminish who they were. Like, my dad used to – he'd get the whiteboard and he'd draw things, and there would be no X's and O's. There would just be lines and arrows and stuff. And I, I was like, what the fuck? I can't – and whereas nowadays, like guys are like it's like a work of art with an ATO. Now, granted, sometimes yeah. they still have assistants do it, but it's it's much more. So I'm so your was your dad a an X and O drawn up on on a chalkboard, or was he a you know just go out there and play fucking hard and and play together and and show that you're tougher than the other team guy? I, I think he was more of a tougher than the other team guy. Like I do, I do think um, you know he definitely was about spacing and like preparation prior. Yes. So, like, you knew what plays you were going to go into the game with. You know, probably you're, you had two or three late-game plays. So, you know, the, and that's what you're going to do. And you were going to do it well, and you are going to do it better than the other team. And if not, then you lost. And, well, you know, when he uh, – I, I, I would say his biggest strength was getting the most out of somebody. Um, yeah. Uh, on a day-to-day. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Did he motherfuck dudes? 
He did. He did. He was good at it. It was almost a, he was graceful. He had an art. He was like a ballerina through his word choice of words at times. And uh, and at times at times I was uh, I was fortunately the recipient of it. <laughs> well, I, I'll get to, I'll get to you playing for him because that's just a fa- it's a fascinating dynamic that I got a yeah, chance to fun. see uh, twice. Um, (laughs) but okay. So your, uh, so I had, I had a, there's a a guy named uh, Kirk Taji who is my, one of my dad's favorite players. That's why one of the reasons I wore 44. So I'm, and he was my, he played for my dad at UW Milwaukee. And I just wondered if there was a guy like hit my dad's favorite player was Dave Weber, Bruce Weber's brother. Dave was my dad's best player. And Bruce was my dad's manager. And, um, at the time, and then he got the job at, my dad helped him get a job at Western Kentucky, um, with, um, with Gene Cady and kind of the rest is history, okay. if you will. So, yeah, but I used to love Kirk Taji and my dad, I think Kirk, I believe had like long blonde hair. He's like good looking dude. And I don't think he gave a shit about what my, like, I just remember like sometimes he would, you know, kind of blow off my dad a little bit anyway. My point is that every when you're a son of a coach and you're around a yeah. team, a lot of times you have a favorite guy for whatever reason. Yeah. Who is your favorite yeah. guy? You know, I thought Willie Scott. I mean, as you're sitting there saying it, back at Bradley, uh, he was just a jet, and and he was uh, he was someone that I just remember when I was I don't know six, seven, eight years old. I just remember those teams back at Bradley, Jim Les. Uh, who oh, he, Jim Les, he, yeah. he was my guy, yeah. And he actually played for the Omaha Racers when I, we were at Creighton, so I was able to see him. And then the other guy is, is Bob Harstad. I mean, that, that's the guy. I mean, that's who you – because you, you saw hope. You're like, if you just played as hard as you can, you're going to be on a team. And that and that was Bob. So I, I, those three guys just kind of stick out, um, you know, kind of in the, in, in, in the years that I, that I kind of grew up, for sure. Um, okay, so why why did he leave? Why did he go to A and M? Was just money? Yeah, you know he's at, he actually said it um, in some in some clinics. Uh, you know he said you know never. I think he, you know we were going in the morning uh, to Colorado State. Uh, I thought I mean not that he was gonna he was gonna make any decision based on you know I don't know I was twelve eleven years old and. We all thought we were going to Colorado State. I remember they took him in a hot air balloon and, and they blinded dined him. And he was kind Wait, of wait. He went in a hot air balloon. Yeah, they took him in a hot air balloon. I still to this day, I just I just remember always talking to him about it. Like that was their selling point. And I don't know if they showed him the campus. I don't. You know, I just that was uh, that was one of his kind of recruiting. That was his recruiting visits. Probably an NCAA violation now if if we were to ever do that. But uh, so he was going to Colorado State. Um, to my understanding, we were that, that was where we were going in the morning, and then that night he came in and he said, "Hey, how about Texas?" And he said, "We're moving to A and M." And financially, I think they they picked it up a little bit, and you know he'd mentioned that in, in in some clinics in the in the past. He's like, you know, always always pick the place that has your passion, and you know, not that he didn't experience have great experience in Texas A and M, but I think uh, it was a little bit out of his wheelhouse in terms of location and. And you know, part of the country, things like that. Well, also, he never he got you know when we played for your last year there, coaching yeah. G. Raleigh White, which I mean, it was <laughs> which honestly, like I kind of think G. Raleigh White could have been super cool if they just redid it instead of building the You're new right. place. 
You're you know, because right. yeah. it's like all You're these right. places, you know, it's like just redo it. I mean, they had poles where people couldn't see, but it was on campus. And if you guys were good, but but anytime you're building a new arena and, you know, the coach becomes kind of like lame duck coach, it sucks. You didn't have for yeah. Texas A&M as much as their facilities now are amazing, like ama- like ridiculous compared to the Texas A&M you went to where you oh. didn't have I don't think you had a practice gym, did you? No. Oh no! It was G. Raleigh. came down, and it was the it was chipping, and it was all. It was no, no, I mean, not even close. They, right, the, and the, then the, you the know, the arena a... broke in front of me. We were conditioning, and I was like, "Ooh, that's not good." <laughs> that is, the ceiling crashed, and it delayed it another year. So, wait, I, for, I forgot about that. Year two or three. Oh, wait, yeah. I for, we were out I f- conditioning on the football field uh, right outside of Needham State, and it broke. I was like, ah, that's 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 not good for the Baroque Christmas present, present Christmas present fund right now. So <laughs> you would have you would have you would have played in that your sophomore year. Yeah, I was supposed to play in it. I believe it was my soft. I think yeah, that was my sophomore year. My, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was going into my sophomore year. It was supposed to be. Um, it was supposed to be done prior to it, and then it just kept getting delayed, 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 and then and then it broke, and then it was a year later. Wow. Um, okay, yeah. so let's let's go back. You you moved to College Station. You're uh-huh. in eighth grade. Yep. Right. Yep. Uh, what was your first College Station, Texas experience like? This is a, so I go down there and we go down. It's me, my mom, and my dad, and uh, we're there in the summer and doing some things. But my first thing that really sticks out was we go down to midnight yell practice, and, you know, whenever it was, late August or, you know, right before the right football season, you know, preseason, exhibition game, whatever they're doing. And they shut off the lights in the arena, in the, in the stadium, Kyle Field, and everyone holds up a lighter, and then people walk to each other and start kissing. And it's called mugging. And me, my mom, and dad are sitting in the crowd, and all these people are making out around us. And I'm sitting there going, you know, I'm with my mom and dad. I'm like, what the heck is going on? It was... It was a heck of an experience. It was pretty darn funny, but it was uh, it, it opened my eyes to the tradition of Texas A and M football for sure. I remember that being a little unique, awkward moment with my parents. What was it like to play high school basketball with your dad as the college coach down the street? It was awesome. It really was. Uh, my first year um, was a little difficult because um, I was. I was bumped up to varsity as a freshman, and I started every game until I tore my knee my senior year. But that first year was a little bit, you're the coach's son, and right. um, I was introverted. Um, I have a, a, you know, I, you know, without getting into all of it, but there's a, you know, one of my friends really, uh, who since passed away, it, it brought me into his room. We were like 13 years old playing John Madden football, and he's like, Brian, I mean, it's weird. It's just like a mature behind his years, and we weren't the most mature young men by any means. And just said, hey, man, just you're good enough to play. You're good enough to start. You got to you gotta, you gotta be on that team. You, that's got to be your goal. And, I mean, it was kind of like that direct. And if you knew what I'm talking about, you'd be like, oh, it's odd coming from him. And so he gave me I had good support of friends and, and uh, kind of believed in me. And then, but, you know, you had to step up. You know, I think any time you're a local kid, even in college basketball right now, if you can control the intangibles, you know, your effort, basically, if you can be an effort kid, you can ju- you know you can handle being being locally the coach's son or the the local kid on the college team. It's it's interesting about being the local kid and and being the local kid in the high school. So 
my high school experience, so I grew up in, in Orange and in the El yeah, Medina okay. district. And my brother went to El Medina High School. And my brother's a little smaller than me. He's more of a, he's more of a two guard or whatever. And he could have gone low D1. And instead, he wanted to walk on at UCLA. He ended up actually getting beat out um, by, um, oh, what's his name? Lou, shoot. He's the coach at, I think, Bishop O'Dowd. Um, Lou, uh, he went, he started, he, he, he kid actually walked on as a freshman at UCLA, then transferred, started at Clemson for three years. Like that's, he got beat out by a good player. So he was just like a student. And then he went and decided he wanted to play. And my brother played for a year and a half at Drake. But, but my point was because my brother's high school experience was just okay. Um, my dad was like, I stayed back a year in eighth grade cause I was, I was a late bloomer. And then I was going to find like the best high school program to go to. And I didn't want to go to modern day because modern day is like, you don't play varsity until maybe your junior year. Gary McKnight's son, Clay was a friend of mine. He's not a point guard, but like Clay was going to play. I mean, that's just, he's going to play. And I mean, he's his one son who could really, really play, could really shoot. I just, I don't know. I just wasn't into the modern day thing. I wanted to play and I kind of, I'm, I'm a more of a public school kid. So I went to yeah. Tustin high school, which is, I mean, it's the town directly south, and they'd won the state championship and had a good coach named Tom McCluskey who had played at Penn State for Dick Harder. And I just, I, the, the one, and this is like I'm trying to figure this out for my own kid, and you experience this, is the only thing that sucked about my high school experiences, because I didn't, outside of basketball, and even in basketball, like no one knew me until I showed up for summer basketball with the JV and the varsity before my freshman year. Like, because uh-huh. of that, I didn't have, like, I, I wasn't, I, I didn't have not just a friend group, but there wasn't people like, oh, he's awesome. He's good at basketball or he's, yeah. I yeah. just, I didn't have any That's sort tough. of, I had, I had no sweat equity with anybody. Yeah, and when I went tough. to Oklahoma state, I also felt kind of the same more Notre Dame, Notre Dame, it's a national school, it's a little different, but when I went to Oklahoma State, like I always felt like had I gone to high school in Oklahoma, people would have known me better and known like, well, obviously I could shoot in high school, otherwise I wouldn't have been as highly recruited. It's more of a <laughs> mental, right? You want, yeah. you want people to believe in you, not because they believe in you, but believe in you because they've actually seen you do it. So I, I actually yeah. think there is, a, like there's, we're creating this culture of guys, of high school kids that'll go to whatever high school, and I did it myself, but I did it, you know, one town over, of college kids that'll transfer whenever, of pros that'll do whatever, and I, I, having experienced bouncing around a little bit, I, I do think I missed out on the sweat equity portion of it, and I, I'm not sure my experience would have been better. In addition to, there is something cool, and we both went to the same high school for four years, you and I, and there is something cool about going to the same high school and trying to win a state championship with yeah. your guys instead of recruiting off the top and having guys transfer in. So I, that's, I just wondered if you experienced that because – even though you were a coach's son, you came in from Omaha right before high, a year before high school, and then I didn't know if you had the sweat equity with everybody in high school. Well, in high school, by the time I got to high school, I, I was solid in eighth grade, and it was you know it's college station. There's one team, one school. You kind of you know everyone goes from A to B. There wasn't multiple schools like there are now actually there. But when I got there in eighth grade, they tried making me play football. I was about five nine, five ten. 
And day one, I was coming from a Catholic school, go to my first public school. I don't know. I'm walking around the hallways with, like, some freedom. And, you know, I was in St. Pius X, St. Leo, and I'm sitting in one classroom, you know, all day. And uh, so I get there at the athletics period at the end of the day in eighth, in, uh, in eighth grade and said everyone, they asked, they said everyone not playing football, stand up. And it was me and, pro- I mean, honestly, out of 150-some kids or whatever, it was me and probably four or five, uh, probably eight kids, probably eight or nine kids, one of which is one of my best friends who was significantly shorter than me. And uh, the coach said, well, why aren't you playing? And I said, uh, I'm playing basketball. And he said, no, you're not. You're playing football. Sit down. So I, I sat down. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a problem. So I went home that day, and I, I said, uh, they're making me play football to my mom and dad. And my mom was kind of looking like, well, you don't have to play football. And my dad's like, well, you have some cleats? Um, get get ready. And I was just kind of like, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to play football. And uh, so for about three or four days, I was at football. And uh, what I had to do was my coach actually put, he kind of figured out who I was, and he said, all right, we're going to play open gym after school. And if you're good enough to play basketball, we won't make you play football. And that's how I, that's how I didn't have to play football because I went out there. Talk about a game of pressure. And I went out there, and I was pretty good in eighth grade. And uh, coach walked out and said, okay, you can play basketball. And so that was a little bit of my first experience. And then after I got to eighth, you know, once I got to high school, I had that sweat equity. And then a little bit in um, – a little bit in college, to be honest with you, too. I mean, people. I was a little bit more of a shooter and a scorer in high school. And when I when I went to Texas A&M, I lost my mind. I came off a torn, torn ACL, and I didn't make a three my first year. And But I did have that, which you didn't have, is what you're saying. I had that sweat equity where people were like, man, come on, shoot it. We've seen you shoot Right, because well, they knew you could shoot, and For your dad knew was, you could shoot. Yeah. Right, right. Yep. I just didn't know I could shoot. <laughs> Which is a problem. <laughs> Did you have any choice or any desire to look elsewhere to go to college? I did. You know, I, I was looking at East Carolina. Um, uh, that was one of the main ones. And then I, I remember specifically them recruiting me. And uh, it was Coach Dooley, as a matter of fact. And they were the only school that recruited me that didn't say, if you don't go play for your dad, we'd like to talk to you. And um, the one other school came in was Navy. Doug Wojcik came in and did yeah. a home visit. And I was fired up. And then by the end of it, I was like, yeah, I still got to go to the Navy. Yeah, no and, thanks. Uh, um, yeah, and I was like, yeah, no thanks. But those were the two schools that actively recruited me that didn't give me as the, if you don't go with your dad. And, you know, I mean, I think I probably, I probably knew it all along. Um, but that, yeah, that's kind of how it all played out. And then I, I committed to him and, and the rest was kind of history. And as you said, you got hurt your senior year. Um, your sophomore year was your, your dad's last year, I believe. Correct. Yeah. We were both sophomores at the time. Yeah. And what, what was that experience like to, to like, I, I can't imagine like, you know, when you play in college and I, I think people understand this, but maybe they don't. You get, you're so wrapped up in yourself, right? You're so in your own feelings about your own game. And then you want your team to win. So you have these two things. Then factor in like your dad's under a tremendous amount of pressure to win. Yep. Yep. I, I, I can't, like, I struggled enough with worrying about myself and worrying about my team. And, you know, I'm like, we were just, 
I was so competitive and I'm, you, you're built the same way too. How did you process all those things going on at once? You know, I don't know if I processed it. You know, I, I you know, looking back on it, I probably didn't handle it great or I internalized everything. Um, and I was protected by my dad. I mean, he, he did a great job every day. This is what we do in practice. We were prepared and we had some guys that I, you know, I, I think could have played harder. I think some guys didn't achieve what they, you know, what they getting the best out of themselves. So that, my struggle was a little bit more within the team, not so much the pressure of the wins and losses. It was, you know, listen, guys, I'm fighting for my family right now. I was very aware of that, and and they weren't, and that was that was where I struggled with it, uh, and that that was tough. That was well. I, I I guess um, maybe maybe here's a better way of articulating it. Like, look. I think you and I are probably built the same. Like if guys aren't giving the right amount of effort and you're the point guard, you know, you have to find there are guys in which you're going to jump. But when you're the coach's son yeah. and, and you're emotional about yeah. the possibility of your dad losing his job, like I just, how did you, did you, did you go at guys? Were you the nor- the leader That's you hard. wanted? Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember specifically we got beat by Nebraska. I, I mean, you could probably look it up the date and time or whatever. And Tyron Lou probably, I mean, I, I mean, I he kicked my ass too. Don't worry about it. He, he, he got me, <laughs> but I mean, I took a couple charges early and we just, it was one of, there was two games that I was really disappointed in being a teammate. Um, I specifically remember I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the best player, but my effort was always there. It was at Oklahoma state, which I had a career high, uh, eight, eight turnovers. So thank you very much. And then the other one was, uh, Nebraska at home. And after that Nebraska game at home, I remember um, stepping up and, and really being very emotional and getting into guys. And their response was, you know, someone could have very easily with my size and demeanor and, and strength could have, could have put me in my place, and no one did. And that was obviously a problem because they knew, you know, what I was saying was, was, was probably more true than not. And, uh, and that was tough. That, that was one game where I really, really remember after – after the game, going like, we can't do this. This this ain't right. And I, and I handled it in a, in a yelling kind of way. Yeah, you guys lost uh, seventy five fifty eight at home. You did win your there last you game in G, the last <laughs> game in go. G Raleigh. You won against Baylor. Baylor. Yeah, one of the best moments of my basketball life. Not because it was the win, but because my mom, my dad, and I, after knowing that we were done, and that was the last game I was gonna. You know, be at home against with him. We walked up that tunnel together. Um, I, I can close. Like someone just referenced it uh, at at the funeral um, in in an email to me, as a matter of fact, and uh, said that that was that they remember seeing my mom, dad, and I walk up that tunnel for the last time at Rally White, which is still gets you a little emotional at that time. But we won. It was a big win. Big win. It was a big win. I told that story on Twitter about your dad. So here's here's the story. So we're at the we're at the Hereford house and and like, you know, like Stillwater, Oklahoma, there's not a lot of nice restaurants. And I don't think the Hereford House is there anymore, by the way. And um so, you know, we have you know, a big thing is like, hey, coat and tie, and we're going to the Hereford House. And we had we finished in we won the South that year. And uh, we actually lost the first game. We played to Texas, by the way, who sucked. Um but they, they played super smart for the first time and they, they slowed us down and it was crazy. Um, but I remember we're at, we're at the dinner table and I'm sitting with Coach Sutton and Patsy Sutton and 
in walks your dad with his like staff and you know your dad kind of like my dad like he had that strut he had a really good strut you know like he <laughs> might have just lost his job but yeah i mean like he you know he, so he walks in and he comes over and he shakes coach's hand coach how you doing tony where's your team he's like those fucking guys they're at mcdonald's they got me fired eddie Let's spend another penny on them. It's amazing. <laughs> We're dying. We're dying. He just had a great. He just had a great, uh, great way. And here's here's one other one. So we played you guys at G. Raleigh White. Yeah, I can remember it. I can and we my were, eyes. I know where you're going with it. No, no, we and we had a bunch of smart asses on our team. And the lead smart ass was actually not me. It was Brett Robish, whose dad okay. Dave. Of course, your dad knew. Was, uh, played in the NBA. And Brett is just, he's just an, he's just an asshole. He's the good kind of asshole, but he's the, he's the best. So, uh, we're in the locker room and he's like $20 to anybody who, 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 anyone who barks at, at that damn dog. So what you, what you didn't know about it was his, Brett's wife actually transferred to Oklahoma State from Texas A&M. So, okay. and, okay. and this was, this is the, this is the story that Shanna tells is that she, <laughs> the first time he had a, the year before, first time he was going to play on the road at Texas A&M, she's like, "Where are you? Who are you guys play?" She's like, "Texas A&M," and she, honest to God, she said this. She's like, "Oh, we had a basketball team? I had no idea." <laughs> right? She's like, "I had no idea." Anyway, so he he put down twenty dollars, which in college is a lot of money, to anybody oh, who yeah. would bark at Rebelly. Um. And so if you go back, like we were all trying to, we were like, the ball went out of bounds a couple of times and guys like, uh, and I actually growled at the dog and the dog barked at me. I took home the money. So I think, I don't know if you took a charge on him or if he just fouled you super hard and we were up like 20 and your dad I think it was got, 21, 21, yeah, 21. and your dad got pissed, pissed. And he's like, that's fucking, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's fucking, that's fucking that's throw him out. He's fucking, and he goes, and Brett Robich just calm as day. He's like, hey, Tony, calm down. Don't have a heart attack or something. We're kicking your ass anyway. And your dad lost his mind. He's just, you know, I mean, that was an, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was great. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. So, okay, yeah, so he loses his job. Then how yep. did you decide Marquette? You know, it, it's funny because I was going, I had a little, I had a little anger. We can go anger. I, I can be honest about it. So I was, I got a waiver to transfer within the conference and not lose a year. So I could transfer anywhere, sit a year and still have the two years instead of doing like uh, right, right. Luke Axtell. Well, he's a Luke, well, he kind of comes into play. Yeah. So what happened was I was I was narrowed down to Coach Sampson at Oklahoma and Tom Penders, uh, Coach Penders at Texas. And, oh my God! Um, I actually I played good at both of those teams, so I had them tricked into considering me. And uh, Coach Sampson was uh, um, they ended up going with a seven foot guy. I want to say his name was Avia. Yeah, um, but I went up there and visited Victor Victor Avila. Uh, Victor Avila. Yeah, he was supposed was. to be like the next Nahara. Yes, he exactly. That's exactly what he was saying to me. And he, I don't know if he, I, yeah, I mean, I, he was no, he wasn't good. Naharatu or something. Yeah, I don't think he ever planned out. Okay, so I visited there because I was friends with um, I had a guy named Aaron Jack on my team who was from Tulsa, friends with Renzi Stone and another guy named Tim Haskett. So we were up yeah. there, um, had a good weekend. I visited, and then I, um, I was going to visit Texas, and I don't know if you remember during that time he got fired. But Tom Penders got fired. And it was kind of like he released some, I think, Luke Axel's grades. It was something like that. I can't remember the whole deal. And the vi- the weekend I was supposed to visit was the weekend that all broke. So then I was, um, the other guy was Mike Dean at Marquette. And he had known my dad. We had played Siena. At He's the best. A&M. He's such he a nut. Best. You know, I almost went he there. Is, he, I know, well, we, that's why our paths. You know, if you had gone there, I would not have because you would have been. You know, there wouldn't have been a spot for me a year right. or two before. So um, I had Mike Bargain, all those guys. They all uh, they all knew you and all that kind of stuff. So that's what ended up happening. So I was kind of wavering on or waiting on Oklahoma and Texas. They both yeah. really weren't working out. And then Mike brought me up and said he did a home visit. The Final Four was in San Antonio that that year. So I got, I you know had a lot of interest. Just coaches were you know kind of talking. And I was right around that area, and I went up there and visited. And he actually sat me down in the locker room. He said, "Brian, if you commit to me now, if your dad gets another job, I don't care if it's in August, 
I'm gonna you can go. No no hard feelings. You go play for him if you want to. Because my dad was in the mix for like Loyola and a couple other jobs. And I was like, you know what? This reminds me of Creighton. I want to go to a basketball school. It was I had a lot of family in Chicago, and Mike gave me that opportunity in case my dad was going to get another job. And I and I pulled the trigger, and that's how that's how that all went down. Mike Dean's favorite word is what? Oh, he. <laughs> I, I, there's a there's a compound word that he. Would yes, say that's the word. Lot. It starts with a C and ends with a sucker. Correct. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so the year, so the the, the year you're sitting out, the year you're sitting out. Yeah, yeah. We play Marquette in Hawaii, and it's yeah, like the opening. Go. I was so mad. Right, and so um, we play Marquette in Hawaii, and I'll never forget this. So he comes out, and he was, you know, like he, the kind of guy Dino was. Is I chose Oklahoma State. He wrote me this like four page. I still have it. Like love letter of how bad he wanted me to come play for him, and how you know he needs. You know, tough son of bitches, and I'm a tough son of a bitch, or whatever, and and um, and so I was like devastated when I had to call him and tell him. And part of it, you talk about being mad. Like, look, I got in trouble; it was my fault at Notre Dame, but I still want to kick Notre Dame's ass. One of the reasons I want to go to Marquette was they play Notre Dame every year, right? Yeah, so yeah. I, I just I wanted to go to College Town. I wanted to play with a little better athletes. I Mike could say he wanted to play fast, but he he played slow. And I just, uh-huh. I couldn't do it. I don't know. I just, I couldn't do the, 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 the upper Midwest again. I just, I needed something different. So I actually worked camp for him after I had already signed to go to Oklahoma State. Worked his camp and had turned him down. And his camp, as you know, was awesome because he had a keg in the locker room. You had to float the keg by, I think, Wednesday. And then on Thursday... He like you'd go to the the bar. There's a bar on campus at Marquette. Everybody come in yep. and eat, and then he'd leave his leave his tab open, and then he'd leave, and everybody could get plowed, or whatever. It was just a was the anyway. So we're in Honolulu. We come on the court. We're warming up, and Coach Sutton comes out in a suit and tie in Hawaii. And so Dino goes up to him. He goes. Eddie Sutton, how you doing? Only fucking guy in America wears a suit and tie in Hawaii. You look great. And and like like you know, Coach Sutton is like the classiest. Like, what is the what is going on with that guy? So, um, end of half, we come down and you know we would run like the same. We 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 ran like we called it Hoosier. Or IU, where you run a guy off a triple screen, and then the last screener comes back off the double stagger, and you either get yep. that shot or the last screener steps in, and you get a slip, and we got a wide open shot, and I'm sure they had scouted it, and you know I think he was what's that? What was Bart's last name? Uh, point guard Bart. Uh, Bart Miller? Miller. Yeah, yeah. Bart and all Miller. of a sudden, and you're like, we're in, we're in Hawaii UH's arena, which is like a thirteen thousand seat place, right? But it's empty because it's Marquette and Oklahoma State and you can hear him go, Bart, you cocksucker! And he goes chasing him into the locker room. So our locker rooms are next to each other. And keep in mind that because I had worked camp and I knew all of the guys, I actually did the personnel scouting report for the game. Like, I stood up for the team. I had the manager work with me. We did the write out. I handed it up. Like, I was like an assistant coach for it. So That's great. So I... uh so meanwhile, their locker room's next to ours, and he's MFing them and CSing them and everything. And Coach Sutton comes in, and he's he's looking at me, shaking his head. He's like, "You want to play for him?" He's like, 
yeah, you couldn't play for him. I was like, yeah, I could. I could play for him. And like, that's, that was our halftime discussion was, could Gottlieb have played for Mike Dean? Right. It was, it was, it was amazing. Um, what, so what was that experience like of, I've always interested the second time around. Now you're playing at Marquette. What was your experience like there? You know, it, it was great. I mean, it really was. It, you know, because Mike was, um, you know, you called him Mike. On my recruiting visit, I was Coach Dean, Coach Dean, Coach Dean. And he now, call me fucking Mike. Call me Mike. Who the fuck is that? Mike, call me Mike. He goes, do I, call you, do I call you player? And I'm like, no. And he goes, well, they don't call me, don't call me coach. You know, so then from that point, I was like, okay. Between the lines, it was game on. I mean, anything goes. He got India. He coached you. And then at, you walk off the lines, and, and to me, I just always thought he was just Mike. He was Mike, and um, so the experience was was a nice one. It was it was um, it was well needed from my from my experience at Texas A and M um, because it was uh, I needed I needed that Midwest. I can you know that's what I grew up. So it was kind of almost the opposite of what you were just saying. I grew up in that Creighton and that Jesuit atmosphere and. Um, you know, the school like that, uh, and just the, in the city and things like that. So it was a great experience. And now, you know, we had, we had, um, some talent. We had a kid that ended up having to leave the team, our best player, Jared Levette, like halfway through the year. So then our, our wins and losses were, I think we ended up being 15, 15 and they fired him. And, and I'm like, son of a gun. This is now I'm two coaches and two, you know, three coaches in three years I'll have. And I'm like, I'm sitting there and the AD comes in, Bill Cords, and tells us, and I'm like, well, who are we going to hire? And he looks at me like, who are you? <laughs> like, you, who is this red shirt little guy walk on? Are you even any good? And I was kind of like, okay, I'll sit here and be quiet now. And, uh, and then that's when. Uh, a few months later, a few weeks later, whatever, uh, Coach Green got hired. So it was a whirlwind. Those nine, eleven months, two, eleven months were crazy. What What was Green like? And I know you he worked for him insane. later, but but as yeah. a as a yeah. player, what was it like? It was intense. I mean, he brought it. He brought it every day, and he set the tone in the way that we were gonna we were gonna practice. Um, it was just different. It wasn't like it was. The, the 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 demand and the intensity and at the pace of which you did it was different. You know, Mike and my dad both could coach. They both could, you know, they were intense. But the, in, the intensity and the pace that first year was really something that, that we all were like, okay, this is different. And, uh, and we, he brought it every single day. I mean, he really did. I mean, he, he was the same level of intensity every day and 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 i do think our team was well coached too prior and during um which was nice for that transition because we you know he upgraded some talent obviously brought in wade and Merritt and deaner and novak and you know that was better you you got rid of me and they added deaner that's a good come up right there but um it was intense it was intense And, and 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 he got better i mean there was different work level and workload for sure um, did did Wade set out that he 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 was a prop forty eight, wasn't he? Yeah, so he set out my what was my fifth year, yeah, and uh, in his freshman year he set out. So you know we had a very good we had me DJ Stevens, Darren Horn, and D Wade were four of the second stringers. <laughs> so our first our our practices were pretty good, and, and Coach was the best thing about Coach was he treated Wade like he was. He was playing the next day, and he didn't let him take a day off. He's all of us, and but you know, even though Wade was sitting out, 
I, I, I find Tom Crean to be an amazing guy, to be a really, uh, really good human being. That I had no, no idea until I've gotten to know him some how thoughtful and and and, yeah. and earnest he, he can he can be. Um, did this is you, and you you obviously it's hard now to say it and it not sound honest. But did you know that Dwayne Wade would be a Hall of Fame player when you no. played with him on the second team? No, I, I no no I I knew by the end. Um, I remember Coach one time turning and snapping to me. He's like, you better tell your brother and dad to get into practice. We got a pro on our hands because they were both with the Grizzlies at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was towards the end of the season. I had no idea he was going to be as good as he was. I did. By the end, you knew he was a pro. Um, but I didn't. I had no idea he was going to be what he was. I would have hung out with him more. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you, okay, so you get, you get done. You get done. And didn't you yeah. go to like Garden yep. City as an assistant at first? My first year was Ocala, Florida, um, down in Central Florida Community College. Then I went to Garden City Community College out in Kansas, yeah. Who was, who was at Ocala? Ocala was Gene Smithson, who was at Wichita State. Yeah. My dad and Dick Versace were at Bradley. And then wow. Earl Diddle was at Garden City, who was at Indiana State, Coach Larry Bird. Um, so I had some mentors. I, I was really, I, I, was, I was fortunate. I didn't realize I had the mentors at the time, but I, I really did. I really so did. was was that was the, was the plan? Hey, let's go work for a couple of of old heads, and and then eventually get to being a, an assistant and then get a job, or was it? Were you just? I mean, I, again, I'm I'm just interested in how yeah. you decided to go to yeah. Ocala, Florida, and Garden City, Kansas. My my options were Bruce Pearl had just gotten hired at UW Milwaukee. And I was in Milwaukee, and I was finishing my master's because I had redshirted. And so my fifth year of playing, all I had to do was finish my thesis. So I got my master's that last year. And Bruce Pearl had offered me to be a video guy. And back then, the video, I mean, it was like, I, I want to say it was $1,500. I was going to maybe be able to live in the dorm, and I was going to, like, bartend or something. I mean, that, that's what the discussion was. And it, that was going to be comfortable for me, though, because, I mean, I, I was sitting there right down the street in Marquette. I mean, I was probably going to still just be, like, you know, a, a player. And my my dad said, if you really want to get into coaching, you need to look into junior college. And two guys offered me jobs, Gene Smithson, uh, through Tim Buckley, had an assistant who worked for Gene Smithson, and Buckley was at Ball State at the time, who coached me at Marquette. And then another guy, Chris Jans, who I worked with at Illinois State, and I was obviously in New Mexico State. He was at Howard uh, down in Big Spring, Texas. And I visited both of those schools to decide, and they both offered me a position. And I ultimately decided to go to Central Florida because um, I was going to be the only assistant there. And at at Howard, I was going to be, like, the second assistant. Um, and then my dad told me, he said, if you really want to get into coaching, you need to learn the other side of it. You need to learn junior college. You need Because I was always a head coach's son. You know, I was always – I mean, I all my memory was, was Creighton, Texas A&M, and, you know, he was with the Grizzlies. I hadn't seen that, that other tier of basketball. And he what, told me I should do it. Okay, one thing about Smithson that, that you still take with you to this day. Uh, you know, one thing, he was very routine. Very routine. He had a, it was like a menu. So if you, if you printed your practice plan, it was quite literally a menu, and he would check. Like, you would have shooting drills, and, he, and it would say, pick two. I mean, it's literally what it was. And uh, so his organization to routine, I've never, I, I, you know, I haven't done it to that detail, but it, it said a lot in the routine. Um, and then Earl Diddle, I still take Earl Diddle at protect the house. And uh, he, would, he would build a house, you know, like a, just around the lane, essentially. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just simple, just get your heels on the house. And it was just, you know, instead of forcing baseline, forcing slide, you know, all that kind of stuff. I just remember the simplicity that he he taught that defense with. Uh, those are two things that just stood out right away. And then did Wardle get the job then? Well, you went to Green Bay right after that, right? No, you went to Indiana no, IU for a year. Oh, in Illinois, oh with, with Porter. With Porter, I forgot. With Porter. So I got the head coaching job at Garden City because Earl decided to go to the women's side. And that was the year Marquette went to the Final Four. So I was kind of, somehow, they thought I was, you know, pretty hot stuff. And Garden City, um, Vic Trilly was an assistant at Texas at the time when you and I played. And he was an, he was associate AD at Garden City with Dennis Perryman, who was Brandy Perryman's father at Garden City. So they gave me the head coaching job, and I had it for about three days. And then Porter had gotten Illinois State and decided to offer me a job, and I decided to go to Illinois State instead of staying at, at, at Garden City. Give me something about Porter. What, what about Porter uh, makes him special? His energy and enthusiasm. It's contagious. I mean, I think what you see on TV and his, I mean, it is. I mean, his energy and enthusiasm. It's just he, every day he's walking in on his, with a, with a bounce, quite literally a bounce in his step. Isn't it crazy, though, like a guy like that? You look at his career record and you're like, well, he had that one year where they went to the Final Four. But the truth is that, that I've seen his teams play at several different places. You know, when he's at Arkansas Little Rock, he's a hell of a coach. But it's like, yeah. it's, it's hard to relate to people. Like you said, the different levels of basketball, the different things you inherit, the luck you have to have. Like it's uh-huh. he he's not any better a coach because they went to the Final Four. He's just finally recognized as being a tremendous coach because they went to the Final Four. That's that's a is that 100%. a fair perspective? Yeah, I mean we were caught in the five eight rule too a little bit where you could sign five guys in one year, eight in two years, otherwise you lost the scholarship. So when we went to Illinois State, there was a certain amount of roster kids that we. We're, we're, they were probably better for the other staff. The nice way to say it. Uh, so, but you had to keep them in a year. And, well, like, and give me the scholarship. give me the best give me the best story you can share. You don't have to name uh, names. At, at where? Uh, JUCO or Illinois State? Ooh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> best story. Best story. Uh, man, man, I got. Well, I mean, at in Ocala, JUCO, I had to break up a fight between. Another guy that was working in the athletic department and um, my roommate who I was living with, which was a student, I walked in and they were throwing salt shakers at each other. And then by the time I got up closer to them, they were throwing fists at each other. And there was like a, he was like a 19 year old. Um, uh, he was focused on, on computers and electronics and then a former, former athletic coach getting into it. And that was my, that was my waking up, and I had a torn ACL because I tore my ACL the first of the day on the job at Ocala. So that was what I was doing my first probably month and a half in Ocala. When did you meet your wife? <laughs> I met her at Marquette. She was a trainer at Marquette uh, with the women's volleyball <coughs> and basketball team. And um, so when I met her, probably the second year I was at Marquette, and we started dating. Um, I, I knew that I I knew any uh, any stat any 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 status of mine was going to go down the drain quickly once I was no longer a, a basketball player, and I was smart enough to find a a, a, a goal, a goal, piece of gold in her. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure she was really impressed by. Hey, listen, I can make fifteen hundred bucks at UWM, or I go to Ocala, <laughs> Florida. I got bi- I got big plans, big 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 plans. She go? Did she go with you to Ocala she and the Garden at, City? She actually went. To, 
she's a physical therapist, so she went and did her residency in Sacramento the year I was in Ocala. So the first year, kind of, we were doing our own thing and making nothing. And then the second year in Garden City, um, she visited a lot. And then I went to Illinois State, so I kind of, fortunately, I, I bridged that gap of Garden City for a nine-month period before I got closer to Illinois State while she finished at Marquette. So we were only about four hours away. Um, and then did you guys get fired at, at Illinois State, and that's why you went to yeah. Green Bay? Uh, no, I went to Marquette then. So I went to Mar. So I got fired, and then we. I went to Marquette as a video coordinator. Crean, uh, you know, created a position for me. I didn't know anything about video, and uh, he he allowed me to learn it, and uh, he gave me the gave me some time to to learn it. And I spent a lot of time in the office doing it, and and so I was there for a year, and then we went down to uh, downtown to Indiana. So I was there, for, yeah, and then that's when we went to Indiana. What was that like? Because when you guys took over to Indiana, Green it was a mess. Like, people forget how big a mess it was. It was. I mean, Coach, you know, the coach, coach did a great job. He did. We had Tim Buckley, Benny Seltzer, um, and we ended up having uh, Rashawn McLeod ended up coming on board, Jake Grossman. I and mean, we, had, we had a great staff um, that, that came with us and really, really kind of navigated. We didn't have any scholarship players. You know, that was part of the potted plant incident where – Eli Holman was throwing the, the plant that was on the bottom line of ESPN all day that um, there was an incident in the IU basketball office. And, uh, and Eli ended up going transferring to Detroit, and I had to deal with him for another two years playing him on the court. He was a good player, and we actually halfway joked about it <laughs> the next few years. But, yeah, I mean, Coach's energy and, and just kind of relentlessness to get that thing going – to where they did, I think they were number one in the country in within four or five years, and and we didn't have a whole lot to work with. We we, we didn't have a whole lot to work with at all. Um, what was Brian Worrell like to work with? You know that was that was unique. I, I it, great, he was great to work with, but he, it was unique because we were such good friends. And, right, I mean, like uh, you know, your teammates. former teammates together at Marquette. Brian was yep. a tremendous player at Marquette. Yes, very good. Every pass I had was drawn and designed to throw to him, and I was going on the other end to play defense. Sometimes I guarded his guys along with my own, but we won't tell him that. But the um, he was great. You know, he what he did was he he really he didn't hide the fact that this was he was young, he was getting, he got a job, um, and was trying to learn it. And he he put people in place that he had trusted, and and we just had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun just trying to find players, and I mean, it was like putting a team together. That if we were sitting there in the dorm, saying like, "Pick your top five. I mean, that's kind of. I mean, it was a, it was a great experience. It really was, and we and we had some success. It was pretty cool. Um, you left there to go. Uh, didn't you go to Iowa to junior college? I went to uh, junior college in Kansas. Junior college in Kansas um, from Green Bay. Yeah, I was there for. I ended up living in Kansas for two years. I stayed in Wichita, Kansas for two years, yeah. What happened? I had gotten, after about, um, I don't know when it was. It was uh, I was the head coach for a little bit and then had gotten uh, pulled over and accused of a DUI. And fortunately, um, you know, you, you, you move forward on, on mistakes that were made. And you make for and uh, you know without getting into all the details, it you know it's not something that um, you know the situation I I, I I really grew from, 
and uh, you know, fortunately, it wasn't um, it wasn't as portrayed necessarily. But still, uh, you know, for me, uh, for publicly, it wasn't it, it, it wasn't something no, it's, that I it's, could stand it's, up. It's, really. Right, it, it sucks. So I guess here's here's the question: Yeah, harder yeah. to call your wife or your dad? Um, probably my wife because then it was just probably my wife. Yeah, that conversation, and uh, and you have support. You have support through, um, you know, trying to figure out everything, and 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 uh, and really, you know, the support of knowing, okay, we got you, and let's figure out what what the next step is and what happened and things like that. Yeah. How'd you so get? I'm how'd you? How, so, what was the process of getting back to where you now are, the head coach at SIU Edwardsville? Like from from that point, because you're you're going through all these things, and your dad is sick, gets sick, right? Uh-huh. Like this yep. is this is a this is a lot. <laughs> this is a lot. Yeah. How do you go it from the? How do you go from there to here? I, support, first of all, um, you know, and, and you and I have have had conversations, and um, some people such as you, obviously, family, um, and then simply putting your head down and and saying okay this is what ultimately matters and i got to figure it out and it's our mentality right now it's our mentality right now where it's i call it our find a way and everything you do you got to find a way to just figure it out it's the best way to say it and i there's no rocket science to it but i put my head down i i um I I reestablished kind of uh, who who I wanted to be, be defined as. Uh, you didn't get worried about trying to explain yourself, trying to tell your side of the story, and just simply being who you are. And and um, you know you're defined sometimes in this in this business as uh, as a coach, as a player, and what what you want to be defined of is more a little bit of who you are. And so when I didn't have a locker room for the first time, quite frankly, in my entire life, I didn't necessarily know how to define myself. And um, ultimately, you just, you, be, you are who you are. And, and you just started, I started thinking. I started being a parent in a way that I looked at it in, in such a great way. And, and I started writing. I started talking. And, uh, and Coach Green hired me on at Indiana. Um, you know, people who really wanted to know the truth uh, and knew me, understood, and uh, gave me an opportunity. And, and that's what I did. I had a lot of people give me an opportunity because they, they took the time to understand what, what had gone on and who I am as a person. Um, your, your, your dad is sick, and uh-huh. you get the job at Edwardsville. You, first is the interim. And then you get the you actually name the head coach. Yeah. What was yep. that like? It was a it was a crazy two days because um, you saw where it was trending on, on how things were going on and um, with him or with you, you know, or with both. With everything, to be honest okay. with you, with me and him, and um, he was he was talking less. He was uh, moving less. He wasn't walking anymore. Uh, he's living in a nursing home. Um, you know, we didn't know what the next step for me was going to be because, you know, the way the, the team was and, and, you know, just numbers alone. I mean, we're all aware of, of this business. 
So when you go from walking into a meeting, going in thinking, okay, I'm going to have to find my next job elsewhere, and I'm also going to have to figure out how I'm going to be able to spend time while doing that with, with someone that I'm close to losing, to then within about 24-hour period um, being named head coach and driving to a couple recruits, and then one of which was in Chicago, and I go over three days or two days later, and walking in with a, with a shirt that one of our administrators said, hey, give this to your dad right before I left. And uh, I drive up there and I give it to him and, and his smile and his, and his hug, and we have an unbelievable picture. It, it was, it, I've experienced moments of power these last, um, these last few months, and that was one of the most powerful moments of my life where I walked in and saw, saw my dad realize, hey, you know, you did it. You, 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 you worked, you earned it, you, you overcame and uh, and there's nothing like that, man. There's nothing like seeing that in, in, in your father's eyes. Who, 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 who? I know a lot of people reached out to you, and uh, uh, it's your, your dad was a beloved figure. Who's the person who like blew you away with something they said after he passed? Man, you know, uh, there was a guy named Reggie Morris. Um, you know, Porter Moser, my, he, he, the most powerful moment was I come around the corner, we're following the hearse in, in the limo. And it's my wife, my immediate, my, my family, my immediate family, my wife, my brother, sister, um, my cousin, who's like a sister to me, and my mom and, his, and my dad's brother, I'm sorry, sister and, and, and her brother, and her, uh, his brother-in-law. And I come around the corner, and SIUE had sent our team. And Wow seeing that cougar bus in front of my dad's funeral in front of the hearse never and i like i can't i can't even explain it i'm getting choked up now and um walking in there and seeing my team i uh, there's no words there's no words and um and then from there there was stories and a guy named reggie morris stood up and uh, he played for my dad he's a two-time state championship uh, out in, uh, i believe grandview grandview missouri now and he played for my dad, coached with my dad, and he said, you know, one thing that uh, Coach Baroni always did a great job of was he, basketball takes so much away from you. It takes your time as a coach, and it takes, takes your time as a player. It takes your time all the time. But one thing he always did a great job, and I instill it on my team and with my, within my own family, is that he always put family into basketball. He didn't let basketball take away from family. And that was a moment where I just kind of sat back on my heels, and then Porter stood up there, and Porter Moser stood up there, and and said in front of everybody, he goes, Brian doesn't even know this, but what he did, uh, what that team did was what Coach Baroni was. For them to support somebody like they did getting up at 4.15 in the morning, driving from the St. Louis area to a funeral up in Chicago. So he, he and I didn't know it. And those things, you know, he talked to my team and, and, you know, Porter, that's family. And those are the things that, those two things, three things, took my breath away. They, say, they still do, even when I talk to you now. It's 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 it's, uh, it's unbelievable. Last thing, um, yeah. SI Edwardsville hadn't been back when you, they were good. Was Marty Simmons was there? It was a Division two program. Yeah. Very good coach. D one is hard, and it, uh-huh. it's hard when you're a you know whether you're a directional school or you're not. I mean, even SIU has has had its problems. Let alone SIU Edwardsville. What's what's mm-hmm. the process? What's the process you intend to take year one in building this thing? I think it's about relationships. I really do. I think you know, and it couldn't have been. If you're going to take something out of uh, the passing of my dad and in the things that I've heard, and it was like he was talking to me, 
um, and not trying to be kind of, you know, it's weird about it or anything. But I think what the, they, everyone who stood up, his Creighton team, Bob Harstead, those guys I talked about earlier, when they stand up and they were talking, it was about the relationship that he had. And I think it totally starts with the relationship. It wasn't always, you know, cozy. And it wasn't always, you know, flowery. And he wasn't always being the nicest guy. But there was a genuine relationship. And I have to start with a genuine relationship. i got to walk into every day with an energy and enthusiasm every single day to demand effort. And I have to have the relationship to demand it and to push these guys from being, you know, something that they have never been just something that we, we we're going to be. And that's that's the that's the, 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 the base. That's the thing that I think's gonna that was lacking here and and that will not be lacking, I know, under my watch. That is for sure. Awesome. Well, you have a fan and a friend in me. And of course you have all those you have all those kids that you have. I mean you got you gaggle of kids. <laughs> you gotta stop having kids, but it is does provide a good cheering section. I love that you it, let it, it does. Uh, yeah, I, I love that you let let uh, let me help tell your story, and I want to I want to recap it no, as we get to year one. But you got to we got to go through all the different tribulations, the ups and downs, and what this is actually like. Hey, you say the word, and you know I, I you, you said it to me, and I you helped me with a friend by the name of Greg Clausen. His dad passed away. Who you were at those camps, probably floating that keg with back in Marquette. And his dad passed away, and you gave me advice about six years ago, and I, I don't care if I've told you, I can't tell you enough. You told me to tell my dad why I love him, not not that I love him. And I'll tell you right now, the day of, I whispered in his ear, I've said it several times, as I leaned down right before he passed away, and I told him all the reasons I loved him, and I will never, ever remember that, advi- or forget that advice. And it's the best advice that I've gotten, and it's the best advice that you should continue to share. Well, I'm, I'm jealous of you, because I didn't, didn't get to tell my old man. It's, it's something you learn from experience, just yep. like we learn from experience yep. in this game. Hey, I'm, no, I'm no so problem. happy for you and your family. I know you've, you've earned this. It's been a long time coming, and uh, look forward I to catching up it. soon. Doug, thanks for everything. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. All right, so some pretty emotional moments there at the end. Obviously, um, that, that is the advice that I would give to any of you about how you should interact with your dad, with your mom, especially if they were a coach, but even if they're not. And uh, uh, that was that was pretty awesome. You know, for, for a guy who was, you know, coach's son to kind of scrap her as a ball player, to scrap her as I'll do anything to be on a bench as a JUCO assistant and then a head JUCO coach and then – you know, an assistant in college and you see all the jobs that they lost and to a video guy and to, to now becoming a head coach at the division one level and got that job before his father passed away. So his dad knew they had finally done it. I don't know, it's a pretty special journey. I, I hope you enjoyed join, joining me on and listening to Brian and what he's accomplished. And, and we'll see what he does accomplish there at a place that it's hard to win at division one level. Uh, a reminder, you can listen to the Doug Gottlieb Show every afternoon, 3 to 6 Eastern time on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app. We're also on Sirius XM. Um, one of them's 203, one's 217. It's basically the, the Dan Patrick channel. My thanks for listening. We'll continue with some of these great stories and great basketball people. Tell a friend about it. Tweet it out. Put it on your Facebook page. Download, subscribe, and rate. And remember, enjoy hoops. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and you... I've been listening to All Ball. 
at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits... LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.